Good morning, Redeemer, and welcome to the beginning of our series in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is, is a favourite for, for many people. Uh, there, there are many things in Hebrews that uh, speak memorable, uh, encouraging messages to us. And I'm hoping that uh, no matter where we're at, no matter where you're at uh, in your walk with Jesus, uh, that these next 10 weeks in the book of Hebrews, uh, that they would speak to you. They would show you Jesus in his goodness and his glory. And they would help you, if you're walking with Jesus, to find hope and strength to keep walking with him. Uh, I'm going to pray now that God would speak to each of us where we are at uh, through his word in Hebrews. So, So please join me. Heavenly Father, you tell us in your word even today that you are a speaking God. You have spoken in many times, in many ways in the past, and yet you have spoken in these last days by your Son. So as you are the speaking God, help us today to hear your voice and respond. Show us your goodness, your glory in Christ. Help us to hear and obey. Help us to hear and be changed. Help us to hear what you say to us and so to find hope. We pray it in Jesus' great and good name. Amen. In John chapter 6, an increasing amount of people are following Jesus. People are getting really excited about Jesus, starting to follow him. But then Jesus begins to teach He teaches some hard things. He teaches hard things about who he is and what he must do. He teaches some hard things about what it will take to follow him. And we're told in John uh, chapter 6, verse 66, that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And today, as we come to the book of Hebrews, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Christ. Maybe you're just getting to know him. Are you exploring who Jesus is and what he's done? Maybe you are rejoicing in following Jesus. Or maybe you're weary, experiencing opposition finding it hard to trust or follow Jesus. Well, no matter where we're at, uh, Hebrews is going to proclaim to us the same kind of thing that Peter said there on that day with Jesus. Where else have we to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. He's the one who gives us salvation and confidence and hope. So where else have we to go? Hebrews writes to believers who were under pressure for their faith. They believed in Jesus, but they were growing tired. They were being worn down by pressures and weariness. And some of them were wondering, would it be easier if I turned back? My family's opposing me because I follow Jesus. Would it be easier if I went back to my family religion? My employer is overlooking me uh, because I follow Jesus. Would it be easier if I just stayed quiet and didn't talk about Jesus? My friends are excluding me because I follow Jesus. Would it be easier if I just went along with what they believe? As Christians in the first century, uh, they had no permanent temple or building. Would it be easier if they returned to the security of the synagogue or the temple, something lasting that they could take refuge in? 
As Christians, they worshipped an invisible God. There was no temple to give them a sense of awe and wonder at God's presence. Uh, Nothing to touch or feel to make it look like they were approaching God. Would it be easier to return to the temple where, with its beauty, with the physical feeling of entering God's presence? The Romans in that day gave some protection to the Jews, but viewed Christians as a dangerous sect. So would it be easier if they went back to Judaism, which was recognised and protected by the Roman authorities? And finally, some of Jesus' teachings are just hard. Loving your enemies is exhausting. Looking at the heart and not just our outward, uh, outward actions, well, it's humbling. Would it be easier to return to the Ten Commandments where it's easier to mark off what I've done and what I need to do? Well, Hebrews will tell them and us, don't give up. Stick with Jesus. Keep going. Don't turn back. And it will do this by pointing us to Jesus again and again, to him in his goodness and his glory and his grace. Hebrews will tell us to stick with Jesus by showing how much greater he is than any of the alternatives. While God has worked salvation throughout history, Hebrews will tell us that Jesus brings true and better salvation. Hebrews will tell us, where else have you to go? Jesus alone hath the words of eternal life. So listen to him. And Hebrews will begin today in chapter 1 by telling us that Jesus is the true and better revelation of God because God has spoken through his Son. Uh, Today's passage began long ago at many times and in many ways God has spoken to our fathers by the prophets. Now, if this speaks uh, about the reader's fathers, uh, he's speaking, uh, we think, about the Old Testament Christians, the Jews. Uh, he was saying that they, well, God had spoken to his people at many times in many ways. And the first thing we should notice here is that we have a speaking God. Uh, God speaks to his people. Uh, for all of human history, our people have worshipped various gods in fear, uh, not knowing what that God was like or what that God wanted. People have guessed, our people have offered sacrifices and done things to appease gods uh, who don't speak to them, thinking maybe the God wants us to do this, maybe the God wants us to do that, maybe the gods are angry because of this, maybe the gods are angry because of that. Yet the Bible tells us that we have a speaking God. He wants relationship with us, so he reveals himself to us and he speaks. And he doesn't want us to be in the dark. He tells us exactly what he does require of us. And so he speaks. And we see as we open the Bible, uh, actually most of the Bible, the Old Testament, written before Jesus, uh, we see that God spoke at many times in many ways. As you read through the Bible, you will see God walking with Enoch, Enoch. God speaking to Abraham and giving promises. He spoke through a burning bush to Moses. He spoke from a storm on Mount Sinai to his people. He spoke through his Old Testament law. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through dreams. He even spoke through a donkey at one point. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, we see God speaking in many different ways. We have a speaking God 
who wants a relationship with us. We have a speaking God who tells us what he requires of us. And we have a speaking God who spoke at many times and in many ways. Yet we're told in verse 2 that in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. God has spoken in all these ways at all these times. Yet now there is one decisive way, one final way he has spoken. And it is through his son. He'll say that it's in these last days that he's spoken. And he's not speaking of the last days, like this is this special time in history, uh, maybe in 2021. And some people like to identify the last days with a particular political figure or other things happening in the world. But the Bible says the last days began when Jesus died and rose again. And the last days will continue until Jesus comes again. Uh, we, these, these readers uh, in the first century were in the last days. And we in 2021 are in the last days. And we're told that in these last days, God has spoken to us. He continues to speak to us by his son. Now, how do we understand all that's come before Jesus uh, if God's spoken finally in his son? Are all the things that came before Jesus wrong? Uh, Are they incorrect? Well, no, it's not about wrong and right. The picture the Bible gives us is that of promise and fulfillment, of shadow and reality. So God has spoken throughout history and all of those things, they were true. God has revealed himself in many ways throughout the Old Testament and all of those ways are true. Yet God's revelation there is a shadow which points us forward to a reality in Christ. Now, these days we're, we're in the age of WhatsApp and, and cheap distance phone calls. Uh, so many long distance relationships happen with kind of no record of letters. Yet for many people, maybe some of us who are a little bit older or some of our parents, they might remember writing letters. And especially some parents might tell the story of before they were married, they had to communicate by writing letters. They might have lived in different cities and they wrote letters or even sent photos to one another. And they might even hold on to those photos and they might still be able to find a box and show you these old love letters they wrote back and forth, revealing bits about themselves, revealing their thoughts, their longings, their dreams, even sending a a picture. Uh, Yet once you're married, once you're actually living in the same house, Uh, Those photos, those letters, they remain precious, they remain true, yet they remain a shadow of a reality. It would be silly if you were now living uh, in a house with your husband or wife and they said something and it's like, whoa, is that really you? Let me go back and check with kind of your old letters. Well, no, you've got the real person. So while those letters are good and true, they're a shadow pointing to a reality. They're a promise And you can still enjoy them. You can still learn from them. Uh, Yet you have the fulfillment. You have the reality in front of you. And God's word's telling us it's it's the same. Uh, Everything in the Old Testament is written. It's pointing us to Jesus. It is truth. But it's pointing us to God's ultimate revelation in his son. We have a speaking God who spoke at many times in many ways. Yet he's spoken finally, decisively, in these last days, by his son. 
But how does God speak through his son? Why does he speak through his son? We're told in verse 2, he's spoken by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus reveals God perfectly and decisively because Jesus is God's very son. And we know that sons often look like their fathers. And often Olivia will look at, at a baby and say, oh, that looks, they look just like their, their mom. They look just like their, their dad. And often I can't actually see it. I say, oh, they look like a baby. Um, where, where many people do see this, even from young children. But as children grow, uh, you'll see many sons who start to look more like their father. Uh, children who start to look like their parents. It may be their looks, but it may be the words they use. Sometimes you'll hear a child say, say something and it sounds familiar because you've heard their parents say those very words. Or sometimes it'll be in their actions. Uh, the first time one of my friends met my mother, he actually laughed and he came and, and it explained. It's like, I, 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 I love your mother. She's wonderful. But when I met your mother, I understood, Morgan, why you can never stand still. Uh, because she talks with her hands, and now I know why you talk with your hands. Uh, she never stays still, and so now I know why you never stay still. Uh, they could clearly see, actually, in our actions, if not through our looks and, and our words, we, we are images of our parents. We're told that Jesus, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In two ways, he's telling us there that if you want to know what God is like, look to the Son. Uh, he's, the glory of God uh, is his goodness, his majesty, his weightiness. We're told if you want to see the, 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 the glory, the brightness of God, well, you see the radiance of that glory. You see the best bits as you look to the Son. And if you want the exact imprint of his nature, a perfect picture of God, uh, you look to Jesus. Jesus is not a pale sort of comparison. Jesus is not sort of a bad sketch of sort of the true, the true picture of God. We're told Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. Look at the sun and you see what God is like. There is no clearer picture of what our God is like, of who our God is, than if you look to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But how, how does Jesus reflect God? I think people sometimes uh, look at old films of Je sort of Jesus films or shows that have been made, and they think, oh, Jesus was this kind of tall, white guy with blonde hair, blue eyes. And increasingly, people have realized, actually, that's not the case. Jesus was from the Middle East. He probably would have been shorter and darker. And, uh, but Jesus doesn't show us God uh, in his looks or the, the shape of it, or the color of his hair. Uh, in those days, and, and in many cultures throughout history, the real way that a son would image his father, the real way a son would reflect his father would be in the work that he did. Because if your father was a carpenter, you would be a carpenter. If your father was a farmer, you would be a farmer. And you would take over the company business. You would take over the farm. Uh, in many families, you, you can still go and see family businesses. 
and maybe when a child is grown, uh, you can see actually the son has, can do exactly what the father does. They do the same work. Uh, they, they speak with the same authority for the company business. Uh, you can look at the work and not sure actually, was it the father or the son who created this? And the son does the work of the father. But what's the family business of God? Uh, what, 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 what is his work that his son does? Well, God's business is that of creating and sustaining and giving life. And we're told here that that's what the son does. The son in the middle, we're told, with the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. But before and after this, uh, we're told that well, he does the work of the father. He's spoken to us by the son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Uh, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Family business of God is creating and sustaining the world. Yet we're told this is exactly what the son does because Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus was, the world was created through him. Uh, it's by the word of his power, Jesus' power, the word of the Son, that the world is sustained to every moment. And because Jesus does the work of the Father, creating, sustaining, giving life, well, he's the one who shows us what God is like. God's work in creation also belongs to the Son. God's work in judgment also belongs to the Son. Uh, God's the God who gives life by his word, yet now Jesus gives life by his word. God has spoken through his Son. And that tells us something astonishing. That as Jesus walked the earth, as Jesus listened, as Jesus healed, as Jesus controlled creation by his word, as Jesus drove out demons, as Jesus loved, as Jesus wept, as Jesus died, we're actually seeing what God is like. We are seeing the clearest picture of God that ever has been or ever will be. Because Jesus, the exact imprint of his nature, the radiance of the glory of God, that may sort of butt up against some of our expectations about God. Uh, can God kind of lay aside his power? Uh, can God show weakness? Would God suffer? Yet when God revealed himself, he revealed himself as the suffering son of man, the lamb of God. And we look to Jesus, we see our God. Because Jesus is the true and better revelation. God has spoken through his son. And that means that revelation is complete. Uh, God still speaks. He's not stopped speaking, yet revelation is complete. Revelation is final. And that's because salvation is complete. And we might long for more revelation. We might follow Jesus and say, yes, I've got uh, Jesus. Uh, we've got Jesus' words in the Gospels. I've got uh, the instructions to Jesus' churches in the, in the New Testament. I've got the Bible, but I need God to show me kind of what I should do tomorrow. I need God to show me uh, what job I should take or whom I should marry. I need God to give me more. We might think that God needs to give us more revelation. 
are showing us something more vivid than the Bible we have in front of us, some experience, some dream. Or we might wonder, how do I know God won't speak again? How do I know God won't send another prophet who will say something different? In all of this, we can know that revelation is complete because salvation is complete. We are told of the Son in verse 3, He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God, He came He lived the perfect life. He died the death, took the punishment we deserved. He made purification for sins. But after that, we're told he sat down. And when do you sit down? Well, you sit down when you've finished your work. A priest in the Old Testament would do all their work standing up, uh, sacrificing animals, carrying incense, uh, walking into the the presence of God in the tent or the, the, the temple. Well, you do all of that standing up. It's only when you've finished your work that you get to sit down. And we're told that after making purification for sins, Jesus, the Son, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high because it is finished. As he said on the cross, salvation was complete. And because salvation is complete, we can know that revelation is complete. How do I know that I have what I need uh, in God's word? Well, it's because everything uh, needed for salvation has been accomplished. How does God speak finally through Jesus? Well, he saves finally through Jesus. And this gets to the heart of what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian isn't firstly about what I need to do. If it were about what I need to do, then God would need to keep speaking. He would need to tell me what I need to do. And in different circumstances, he might give different instructions. Maybe you need to do this or to please me, you also need to do this and you also need to do this. Maybe we could expect that there would be more and more revelation, new revelation. Yet Christianity isn't about what we do for God. It's about what he has done for us. It's not good advice of how we can please God. It's good news of the salvation that has been completed in Jesus. And that's why we can be confident that we have what we need because salvation is complete. We're told that Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserved. He's done it all. And as we trust in his completed work, we know that completed work needs nothing added to us. And for that reason, revelation, well, it's complete. Uh, We don't need anything more from God. He's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. He's given us everything we need for salvation in Jesus and the word that points to him. Now, Hebrews will continue to show us that God's word isn't a dead old book, that God's word pointing to Jesus is living and active that God continues to speak, that he continues to guide, that he continues to comfort, he continues to give life. Yet he does this through his word pointing to his son. We don't need extra revelations or visions or prophecies because God's spoken everything he needs through his son. We don't need a specific word on what we will do tomorrow 
or where to work or who to marry. Because God has given us all we need for life and godliness in his son. Uh, the word which, which looks to him. Uh, he gives us his spirit so that with the word we have, with the salvation Jesus has revealed and given us, uh, we can live. And we're called to use our wisdom, to use our renewed minds, uh, to put that work of Jesus into, into practice in our lives. And while God could and may give dreams or reveal himself through miracles, we don't need him to. Uh, while God continues to reveal himself day by day through creation, he has spoken finally, decisively, completely through his son. All other revelation must fit with what God has spoken through his son and his word. So if you see something in beautiful in creation or you experience something in life that seems to teach you, uh, or if you hear something which a, it could be a dream or, or a prophecy or something that, that claims to speak for God. We need to go to how he's revealed himself in his son and his word and ask, does it fit with that? Maybe we're, we're misunderstanding it and we need to see that it does actually point to Jesus. But if it doesn't point to Jesus, uh, if it contradicts how God has spoken finally in Jesus, then it's wrong. God has spoken finally, decisively, completely through his son. Because God's spoken through his son, no extra revelation is needed. Because no more salvation is needed. He's done it all. And now as we, we look to Jesus, we listen to that word he has spoken to us. As we continue to listen to that word, we will be shaped day by day. We will be guided. We will be changed. We will be moved. We will be led. But it's not through needing anything new from God. It's by his spirit. Our God takes us and continues to speak in fresh ways through his living and active word. Because salvation is complete or revelation is complete. Now, you might worry that we're sort of, we've only got a few verses in. Uh, we've only got a few verses in and we're running out of time. Uh, but I want you to see that the rest of this passage is really backing up what we have said so far. You might have noticed that this passage goes on to speak about angels. Verse 4, he says, after well, making purification for sins and sitting down, uh, it was having become as much superior to angels as the name he's inherited is more excellent than theirs. And he seems to go on and speak of angels for the rest of the chapter. But in the end, it's not about angels. He's continuing to speak about revelation. He speaks about angels here because uh, God's people understood that angels were the ones who'd brought all of that old revelation. As God spoke at many times in various ways, well, we're told, actually, even though we don't think about it much, uh, that there were angels involved. Galatians 3.19 uh, says the law was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Acts 7.38 tells us something uh, similar. Uh, if you look back at the burning bush in Exodus, uh, you'll see that actually God spoke through an angel to Moses in the burning bush. Many of these ways God spoke in the Old Testament, it was through angels. And so as Jesus, as we're showing that Jesus is superior to angels, we're being shown that because 
was 2.1. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We're told in several ways, uh, through seven different quotations from the Old Testament, uh, that Jesus is superior to angels because it wants to tell us that actually, well, Jesus is the true and better revelation of God. Well, God spoke in amazing ways, in profound ways, in true ways, through angels, through the Old Testament law and through visions and burning bushes. He's spoken decisively. He's given us a great salvation, the final salvation in Christ. These seven Old Testament quotations, you might want to go up and look them up later. The first pair from Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7 Well, they proclaim that the son is superior to angels because of his unique relationship with the father. Uh, The second two passages uh, from Psalm 97 and Psalm 104, uh, they tell us that angels had a good ministry, an important ministry, but an inferior ministry to the son. And the third pair of texts, uh, Psalm 45 and from 102, Well, they focus on how the sun is eternal and unchanging while angels are created and temporary. Uh, Before a final quotation from Psalm Psalm 110, telling us that Jesus is the sun who will reign. Again, you could spend lots of time looking those up and I encourage you to, to go and look them up. But they're all pointing to one thing, that the sun is superior to angels And therefore, the message that the Son brings of salvation through his sacrifice, uh, it is superior to everything that has been revealed before. And that's where this passage finishes in chapter 2 by verses 1 to 4, urging its original hearers, urging us to stick with Jesus, to not go back. So I read before from 2 verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Uh, because the, the message declared by angels was, was true and reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. It was serious, God speaking in the Old Testament. We see that God achieved a great salvation for his Old Testament people, yet there were also great consequences for disobeying God's spoken word. How much more this passage is saying, we've got a greater salvation. We've got a greater, true, complete revelation of God in the Son. So while he brings us a great salvation, also there'll be great consequences if we turn back from that. If we we disregard or disobey what God is speaking today. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This passage is speaking to his people, saying you have the complete revelation in God. Don't go back. It might feel like some of those old ways he spoke were more exciting, more vivid. You might wish God would speak to me directly in a dream, that God would ride in the sky, that God would tell me he were there. We might wish that God would come and send another prophet and speak more, give us more information. Yet Jesus Salvation is complete. He's done everything needed for us to be saved uh, through his sacrifice for us. 
Therefore, we don't need more revelation. What we need is to look to the Son, is to hold on to the Son, to keep looking to the Word that points to the Son. And as we we gaze at the Son and see His beauty, His goodness, His glory, as we see what the Son has done in history, as we see what the Son continues to do as He speaks life, as He gives life to people, to dead people, as He continues to give salvation and life to, to those who are dead. Well, in Him, we will see that God is still speaking. He guides us. He shapes us. He comforts us. He saves us uh, through his saving word. So where else have we to go? To sum up this whole passage, we can look at uh, three verses. One verse one says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse two, But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Therefore, 2 verse 1, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard in the sun, lest we drift away from it. Pay attention, don't drift away. And all of Hebrews is going to follow this same pattern. As we work through Hebrews, we'll see there are many things that drew these original hearers, many things that might seek to draw us away from following Jesus. Yet at every point, the book of Hebrews will point out this old way this old way of salvation, this other thing that we might hope in. And it will show us how Jesus brings better and true salvation, how Jesus is a true and better life and hope and confidence before God. But Hebrews is also going to get practical. It's going to tell us at every point what we should do about it, how we need to respond to the Son. Because in the past, God spoke forgave sin, granted access to him through prophets, priests, animal sacrifices. But Jesus is the true and better prophet. Jesus is the true and better priest. Jesus is the true and better sacrifice, the true and better way to approach God. Therefore, we're to stick with him, keep listening to him and not turn back. Where else have we to go? I don't know what might be pulling you back. Uh, what might be making it hard for you to follow Jesus today. But look again fresh to Jesus in his goodness, in his glory, in the clarity he gives us to who God is. Where else have we to go? He alone has words of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. Uh, We thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. Now you tell us exactly what you require of us. You show us what you are like. You have done that throughout history. Thank you that you've done it finally in your son. We pray that we would look to him, uh, that we would rejoice that you've revealed your salvation to us, not as what we must do, but what you have done. Uh, We pray that we would find hope in Jesus, uh, find life in Jesus. And we pray if there's anything holding us back, anything tempting to to call us away, we pray that you would just show us afresh your goodness, your glory, the joy there is in your presence through Jesus. And so we ask that you would sustain us, strengthen us to keep going. Father, it's in Jesus' good and great name that we pray. Amen.